Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Originally organized by Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, or SCLC, the Poor People's Campaign was born from a push for economic justice in the civil rights era and is now impacting policies and elections at every level of government. We spoke via email with Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, a Poor People's Campaign Steering Committee member. He explained... The original Poor People's Campaign was a fusion movement for economic justice that grew out of the civil rights movement. Natives, Chicanos, poor whites from Appalachia, and welfare rights organizations from northern cities joined Black folks from the South to demand an economy that works for everyone. That coalition won some real gains with the War on Poverty, the Fair Housing Act, and the legislative advocacy of the Children's Defense Fund. President Lyndon Johnson declared the War on Poverty in 1964 a year in which 19% of Americans, about 35 million people at the time, lived below the poverty level. 
King was motivated to call for representatives from various geographic and racial groups to help gain federal funding for a number of social programs, including a form of universal basic income, plus housing for the poor and other anti-poverty programs. In November of 1967, King and the staff of the SCLC met and decided to launch the Poor People's Campaign to highlight and find solutions to many of the problems facing poverty-stricken people in the United States. The initial objective was to address rampant economic inequalities with nonviolent direct action in a widespread form of civil disobedience known as the Poor People's March. King, however, was assassinated before the culmination of the organization's efforts took place. Following his death, King's longtime friend, Ralph Abernathy, led the march, which included an estimated 50,000 demonstrators walking from the Washington Monument to the Lincoln Memorial, as well as speeches from Abernathy, then-Vice President Hubert Humphrey, Democratic presidential candidate Eugene McCarthy, and King's widow, Coretta Scott King. While the original movement led to some major societal wins, it was also met with a fair amount of opposition. Five days after the march, authorities closed the temporary camp that demonstrators had erected, known as Resurrection City, that stood on the National Mall near the Lincoln Memorial. Over 100 residents were arrested when they refused to leave the site, and others, like Abernathy, were arrested during a demonstration at the U.S. Capitol building. Wilson Hartgrove says that the aftermath of the initial event was disheartening. He said, poor people's demands were silenced by a public narrative that blamed poor people for their problems. While the blowback could have stopped the organizers in their tracks, those at the core of the Poor People's Campaign were unfazed. Wilson Hartgrove said, Over the past decades, many grassroots organizations have intensified their efforts to expose the fundamental lie that the world's largest economy cannot afford to meet the basic needs of all of its people. Several of those efforts began to gain national attention in 2013, when Moral Mondays, the Fight for 15, and Black Lives Matter all emerged during the same summer as grassroots coalitions of people taking direct action to reclaim democracy for the common good. They were challenging the same entrenched powers as movements that were building to address immigrant justice, environmental justice, native land rights, homelessness, and public education. Originally known as the Poor People's Campaign, the modern incarnation of the movement is officially known as Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. Wilson Hartgrove explains that the addendum is significant to today's continued struggles for justice and equality. He said, revival is an alternative to reform. One of the things that our current moment has revealed is that various efforts to reform our system haven't worked. It's still killing us. It's killed 238,000 people through a failed response to COVID. It's killing more African-Americans through police murders than were lynched at the height of Jim Crow's terrorism in the South. And it's killing still more people from poverty. For too long, America has been comfortable with this level of death. And it has killed something inside of us. It has hardened our collective heart. Our call for revival is a call to choose life, to refuse to be comfortable with the level of death our current system tolerates, It's a call to reconstruct the system, to remake the world we are living in, to reflect love, justice, and mercy. Several modern leaders have been credited with the continuation of the efforts put forth by the Poor People's Campaign, including Reverend William J. Barber II and Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris, who serve as co-chairs for the Poor People's Campaign. Wilson Hartgrove says that the organization began to invite the emerging grassroots movements into a, quote, national moral fusion coalition to connect the visionary work of our elders in the 1960s with the leaderful moments of today. The overarching goal of the organization, he says, has always been to win justice for poor people by shifting, quote, the moral narrative in the country from the distortions of the culture war and the politics of left versus right 
to the moral, fundamental question of whether we are living up to our deepest constitutional and moral commitments. In 2020, sparked by the murders of Black men and women like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, the Black Lives Matter movement has gained massive momentum, a phenomenon that Wilson Hartgrove explains ties directly to the Poor People's Campaign. He said, People who have witnessed police brutality and mass incarceration's disproportionate impact on African Americans cry Black Lives Matter as a way of naming systemic racism as a dehumanizing reality. Their organizing to demand change in places like Ferguson has been exceptional, and many people from those grassroots movements have been part of the Poor People Campaign's coalition building since we officially relaunched the campaign in 2018. It's important to remember that Rosa Parks was organizing against police brutality in Detroit, Michigan in 1968 when the original Poor People's Campaign came to Washington, so a challenge to racist policing has always been a part of this movement. While anti-racism has historically been at the root of the organization's mission, the magnitude of recent protests indicates an unprecedented wake-up call to many. Wilson Hartgrove said, The protests have shown the effectiveness of mass nonviolent demonstrations to shift public opinion, and they have led many people who have marched to ask the next question, what changes are needed in our public life to address systemic racism? We have said all along that we can't address systemic racism apart from poverty, environmental degradation, militarism, and the distorted moral narrative of religious nationalism. So a lot of people have come into the coalition grateful for an analysis that can make the connections between issues, an agenda that makes clear what's needed, and a budget that shows how we could do it now if we had the political will. During the 2020 election season, the organizers ramped up efforts to inform the public about their right to vote and to engage politicians at both the national and state level about their campaign's issues. Wilson Hartgrove said, We've done the research and know that nationwide, poor and low-income people vote at rates much lower than high-income groups. But we also know of places where just a 5 to 10% increase in low-income voters could shift the political landscape, forcing politicians to listen to the needs of everyday Americans. So we are inviting people to do that work of educating and mobilizing their neighbors, and folks can sign up to do that wherever they are. Today's episode was written by Michelle Konstantinovsky and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other curious topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. Uh, Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.